Have you ever laughed at an inappropriate moment? Maybe you have. Maybe you've seen somebody fall over and your first response has been laughter, not helping the person, and your mama gives you that look that's like, pull it together, right? You know, you've had that moment. Or maybe, maybe your partner was trying to say something romantic to you and you laughed in the moment you just killed the whole mood. Or maybe you got the giggles in class. You know when you get the giggles and you can't stop them and you have to try to think of something real sad to stop the giggles? And then the teacher's not so impressed. Well, there's this moment in Genesis where two people laugh at the same thing that God has told them, Abraham and Sarah. They're told that they're going to conceive a son in their very old age. And they both laugh, but they get different responses from God for their laughter. So let's look at chapters 17 and 18 in Genesis today. You see, Abraham, he is 99 years old, y'all. That's old. And his wife is 90. So God is telling them and has been telling them that they are going to be the father and mother of many nations, that they're going to have many descendants, that kings are going to come from their descendants. Now, at this point in their life, they've reached the age of 90, 99. And Sarah's thinking, look, I can't actually give you kids, Abraham, but there's this promise on our lives. So we need to have kids in some way. I can't conceive, but I could give you my female slave, Hagar. And then you could have a baby through her and we'll build a family that way. Drama ensued, as you would think, because Abraham did that. A baby was born and then drama between Hagar and Sarah, who tried to take matters into her own hands. It was like soap opera type drama in the Old Testament. So when God comes to remind Abraham about this promise of descendants, he's thinking it's going to come through Ishmael, the son of the slave, the son of Hagar. But God's like, nope, this promise is going to come through Sarah's 90-year-old womb. So Chapter 17, verse 15 through 19, God says to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you're no longer going to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and he said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. And God says, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son. And you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. So let's take note that in this moment, Abraham laughed. But his laugh was not considered inappropriate by God. Because his laugh was one of surprise and one of joy, one of gratitude and thankfulness. His laugh was filled with faith that God might do the impossible. Then in chapter 18, Abraham sees three men appear outside his tent. And he knows right away this is some type of angelic appearance. And he wants to host them well. And one of these men is referred to as the Lord, which we can understand as a potential Christophany moment, meaning the pre-incarnate Christ appeared in the Old Testament. Now, and I've also questioned when it says the three men that were there, is that a nod to the Trinitarian nature of God? I don't know. Could be. But Abraham knows that this is the presence of God right outside his tent. So he tells them, he says, look, I'm going to get y'all something to eat so that you can be refreshed before you go on your way. So wait here and I'll sort it out. And then it says, Abraham hurries into the tent and he finds Sarah, his wife. And he goes, quick, bake some bread. Now, 
I don't know how quick that process is because after watching everybody, not myself, go into a, a phase, a craze of making sourdough over like the last few years, I know it's not quick, y'all. I know there's a process to it. And I know she's starting from scratch because Abraham says, grab the finest flour. She's starting from scratch. Different version of quick. Then he runs out into the pasture where all of his cattle are and he gets the finest prize calf and he takes it to his servant. He goes, quick, prepare the meat. Now this calf is still alive in this moment. So again, biblical version of quick is not my understanding of quick because this guy has to slaughter the calf before he can chuck the meat on the barbecue, before he can bring it to these three men. But these three men, they wait while Sarah is literally baking bread and a calf is being slaughtered for them. (laughs) And they're waiting And then eventually Abraham brings them the food and drink. And in chapter 18 from verse 9, these men then say, where is your wife, Sarah? Well, they're in the tent, he said. And then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were very old. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. Look, I know people lived, you know, quite old in the Old Testament, but it says she's past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, meaning my husband is old, will I now have this pleasure of being a mom? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. But Sarah was afraid. So she lied and she said, I did not laugh. And God said, yes, you did. (laughs) Yes, you did, Sarah. I love how God calls her out in this moment. Yes, you did laugh. God saw straight through her cover-ups, straight through her lies and saw the condition of her heart. And he called her out on it in this moment saying, yes, you did. So that's what I'm calling this message today. If you're taking notes, write it down, say, yes, you did. Or say it out loud. Can you tell your neighbor, yes, you did. Say it with a bit of sass like God had in this moment. Say, yes, you did. Now, when I read this story, I first laughed to myself at God's bluntness in this moment because my first thought was, hold up, God. Abraham laughed too. This is like when two people are laughing in class and one gets in trouble and the other one doesn't. But Abraham laughed too, but he didn't respond to Abraham in that way. They had the same outward response of laughter, but God knew that they had different conditions of the heart. And they had different things going on in them internally that caused that outward response. And when Sarah was questioned, y'all, she was acting like a toddler trying to cover up what was really going on. Now, y'all, toddlers are proof that we are all born with a sinful nature. (laughs) They are. You can't tell me that a toddler is perfect and precious because they're sinners, just like us, okay? Boston, oh, bless his heart. He is two years old, and he has already, in his two years of life, lied to me many times. I don't know where he learned how to lie. All of a sudden, just one day, I'm like, you lie, child. Where did he learn that? Sinner. We're all sinners, okay? But the thing that he is most notorious for lying about is a dirty nappy. I don't know if you've ever had a toddler, but when you're a parent, you start to learn the body expressions and the facial expressions of your child and you know what's happening if they start to disappear if they start to go behind somewhere and become real still and they don't want you to know what they're doing (laughs) or maybe they're the type where they go to the coffee table or the shelf and they just brace themselves and there's noises (laughs) or maybe you have the type that they squat and they're playing with a toy but they're playing real still (laughs) 
We all know, and as a parent, you start to learn what is happening with your child. So I could see that happen. I know exactly what Boston is doing. And I say, Boston, did you poop? And he will straight up lie to my face. No. <laughs> and so I'll give him grace. I'll give him a second chance. I'll say, buddy, because I can smell it. Buddy, did you poop? And he will turn away from his toy. he go, no, I not poop. <laughs> straight up lies to my face. But here's the thing, as I can, I know my child, and I can see straight through, I can smell straight through it, and I'll be like, buddy, yes, you did, and we're going to go change your nappy. Now, thankfully, Boston has grown, he's matured a little bit, and he is way better at telling us when he needs a nappy change, which is good, and now he's proud of himself, he's like, big boo, um, sorry, this is what we're talking about at church today, but we've seen him slowly mature in this area. And maturity comes with open communication about our mess. Maturity comes with a willingness to admit when we need changing. Because if we want to live in our covered up filth and walk around with a dirty nappy, eventually you're going to start to stink to those around you. And to be honest, mature people can only put up with that smell for so long. Toddlers, they don't mind the smell of a dirty nappy because they probably have one too. And they're acting like toddlers all together, but mature people, they could only handle it for so long. See, if you refuse to admit that you need to change, not only will it start to harm you, but it will harm the relationships of those around you. See, Sarah was laughing in the tent after hearing about God's promise to give her a son. And that laughter was an overflow of the condition of her heart. And Proverbs tells us that out of an overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, when questioned about the response to God's promise and purpose for her life, she lied. Then she attempted to cover up the condition of her heart, a heart that needed changing, a heart that had become sour, a heart that was harming her faith. It was harming her perception of God. It was probably harming her relationship with her husband and with those in her household like Hagar and Ishmael. Her heart was a stinky nappy, okay? And this morning, I think we all need to do a little heart check ourselves to understand, hey, has something crept up in my heart that actually needs addressing, that actually needs changing? So there's a few things that I want us to unpack in this story. You see, the first is this. Abraham, he laughed with delight, but Sarah, she laughed with distrust. Abraham laughed with delight when he fell face down and he exclaimed, will a son be born to a man who's 100 and a woman who's 90? When he was doing that, he was saying, really, God? Almost in shock and in joy and surprise. Like when somebody hands you an unexpected gift and you go, really, for me? That was his response. That was his laughter because he was overwhelmed at the goodness of God in his old age. But Sarah laughed with distrust in her tone and thinking, after we're this worn out and old, really, God, now's the time that you're going to make me a mom? Now's the time when I'm old and I can't even play with that child? Now's the time? Her tone was completely different. Her laugh was almost filled with disbelief that something so impossible would happen for her. And then secondly, Abraham's heart was joyful. But Sarah's heart was jaded. You see, their laughter showed the condition of their heart towards God. And it showed what they really thought about this promise to have as many descendants as the stars in the sky. Abraham's heart in this moment was revealed to just be overflowing with joy and with gratitude. 
And you could see that in the way that it describes him in scripture, saying that he ran around his tent asking his wife to bake bread. He ran out to get a calf to slaughter because he wanted to give these men of God the finest that he could. He was overflowing with joy in that moment. That was joy that ran around his house that day. That was joy in an old man who was so excited to see a life dream come to pass. But where was Sarah as God literally sat outside in the tent? She was in the tent. She was immediately reserved in her demeanor. And I think she baked the bread out of obedience, but probably more so out of obedience to her husband who asked her to bake the bread. But then she baked the bread and it says Abraham went and served them. And so I see that Sarah didn't even go out to greet the presence of God. She's like, I'll bake the bread for you. Then I'm going to stand here at the doorway. That was Sarah's response. And when God asks, where is Sarah? That suggests to me that he was expecting her to come and join them. But she didn't. Maybe she didn't want to get too close to the presence of God because she didn't want to get hurt by maybe empty promises. That's what she thought what God was going to give her was empty promises. Maybe her laugh at the promise of a a son was an overflow out of a jaded heart because there was no enthusiasm, no gratitude in her laugh. She was simply a jaded woman who literally was putting distance between herself and the presence of God in order to protect her heart that had become jaded over the years, over 90 years of life. Have you ever felt like Sarah did? See, have you ever come to church and then just stood in the back in worship where you're like, I'm here, God, but this is all you're going to get of me today? Or maybe you've come to church and then you've hidden away somewhere, somewhere where you feel like it's safer. Maybe you've hidden away in the parents' room. Maybe you've hidden away in the cafe. Maybe you've hidden away in the info desk or in the kids' area or out in the parking lot where you're like, God, I will bake the bread for you. I will do the task for you, but I will not come and meet with you. Maybe you feel like Sarah. Have you ever listened to a sermon that we're preaching and then given a disdainful laugh in your head thinking, this word's not for me? God's not speaking to me through them. If you're thinking that right now, perhaps this word is actually for you. Because you're just laughing potentially through a jaded heart. Maybe you've allowed your heart to become jaded over the years and you're now more comfortable standing back at the entrance of the tent instead of sitting with the presence of God. Abraham was enthusiastic and overflowing with joy in the presence of God and angels. Sarah was reserved. Sarah was physically present, but she was not emotionally present. She was jaded. And to be honest, if you look at your own life and your own heart right now, are you Abraham in this story or are you Sarah? Do you have the heart of Abraham or do you have the heart of Sarah? You see, God in this moment, when they both laugh, Abraham is reminded But Sarah is rebuked. See, if you're sitting here and this message is reminding you about the goodness of God in your life, maybe you have the heart of Abraham. But if you're sitting there taking offense to what I'm saying right now and you feel like I'm telling you off, maybe you're getting rebuked in this moment because you have the heart of Sarah. Are you Abraham or are you Sarah in this story? Because they both laughed, but they had different conditions of their heart. So to the one who had delight and joy, he reminded him of the promises on his life and on his son's life and his descendant's life. And to the one with distrust and a jaded heart, he rebuked, he challenged, he called her out when she lied and said, I did not laugh. He said, yes, you did. Yes, you did. Look, God can smell the stench of a dirty nappy in her heart. He can see straight through the outward response and he wants her to have a moment to change her heart before she receives the promise. 
See, when you think about your own heart, does it have the sweet aroma of joy and gratitude and awe and wonder at the goodness of God? Or does it smell like a stinky nappy that's just become nasty and jaded over the years? Trying to cover up the condition of your heart to God or people is eventually going to harm you and your relationships with God and people. We need to check our hearts. And look, I don't know who this is for today, but I pray that you're receiving it well because God wants to challenge some people today about your responses to him and your responses to people and your responses to church. Did you laugh like Sarah did? Because this isn't just about laughter. It's not. Did you gossip? Did you perpetuate drama? Did you slander someone? Did you believe the worst? Did you make your issue somebody else's issue? Did you make your hurt somebody else's hurt? Did you mock God or mock church or mock other people? Did you let anger and bitterness get the better of you? Did you let doubt control your tongue? Because if you would say yes to any of this, or if God would say yes you did to any of this, then what he's really saying is, hey, check your heart. Check your heart today. Because Sarah laughed with distrust and even with disdain because she had allowed her heart to just grow bitter and jaded over the years when things didn't seemingly go to plan in her life. And instead of helping to host the presence of God, which was literally right outside her tent, the physical presence of God was right there. She stood in the shadows and laughed. And when God confronted her, she lied. She tried to cover up what was really going on. See, maybe you can relate to Sarah more than you initially thought. See, maybe things haven't fully gone to plan in your life as you hoped they would. And now you're mad at God, which has made you mad at the church and made made you mad at Christians. Or maybe it was the other way around. You got mad at a Christian, and then you got collectively mad at the church because of a Christian, and that has made you mad at God. I don't know. Maybe you're just mad. Maybe. Maybe you've allowed your heart to just rest and camp out in bitterness and in hurt and in disappointment, and it's left you feeling jaded. Maybe you're like Sarah, where you're standing at the edge of the tent. You're here, but you're not really here. Like You're like, I'll bake the bread for you. I'll do the task for you, God, but I won't come and meet with you. Maybe you can relate to her more than you initially thought. Because it's so much more than just baking bread or doing a task or playing a role on a dream team, we're here to meet with God. We're here to be in his presence. And that's way more important than you just hanging out in the tent. But here's the beautiful thing about Sarah is God still had a plan and a purpose for her life. Even through her pain, even through her laughter, God still wanted to bless her and make her the mother of many nations. And God still has a plan and a purpose for you too. It doesn't matter how long you've been living in bitterness or hurt. It doesn't matter how long you've just been standing back at the edge of the tent. God has a plan and a purpose for you too. And he can renew your heart and still call out that purpose and plan for your life. Um, LJ, you could come join me on keys. There's just a couple things that I believe can help you move from your position of simply spectating, of being here but not really here, of watching other people meet with God, to move from that place of spectating to actually meeting with God yourself. And the first is this, confess your sin to find forgiveness and healing. Confess your sin to find forgiveness and healing. Because when God challenged Sarah, he was giving her a chance to own her mistake. 
He was giving her a window to actually recognize the condition of her heart and allow her to develop within herself the desire to change it. You know, if a toddler sits in their dirty nappy for long enough, it's going to lead to nappy rash, right? It's going to lead to pain. That's going to need healing. And here's the thing. If you sit in concealed sin for long enough, it's going to hurt you. It's, it's going to hurt you. And it's going to need some healing. Not only will it hurt you, but it will hurt the relationships with others around you. And what's concealed sin? Well, the Bible lists many things, but some of the things that God highlighted to me today were concealed bitterness, concealed anger, concealed hurt, concealed doubt, concealed unbelief, concealed contempt, concealed unforgiveness, concealed offense. All of those things, if you just conceal it and allow your heart to just stir on it, it will hurt you. And it will lead to hurting your relationships with God and with people. And it starts with you coming before God with confession. Confess your sin to find forgiveness and healing. Maybe it's confessing to God, but maybe you also need to confess it to other people to find that forgiveness and healing you need. And just like Sarah, take an opportunity to own it. Ask for forgiveness and allow God to heal your heart. You see, Sarah may have initially laughed to disguise her pain. Anybody ever use comedy or sarcasm to hide what's really going on in your heart? But with time, as she received the promise, and she saw the promise literally showing in this bump that was carrying this promised child, her faith was growing, and her faith was strengthening, and her heart was softening, and her heart was changing. We need to confess our sin because we all need a savior. In fact, at the end of every service, if you've been here before, you'll know that we always give people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to confess him as both savior and Lord. We need a savior because we're all sinners. We've all messed up and we need a way to be made right with God and our hearts need healing. But we also confess our faith because we don't just need a savior, we need a Lord which means we need a, someone to give us direction in life, someone who calls out that purpose and that calling on our life and then can guide us to it. So you confess your sin, but secondly, you need to confess your faith to find purpose and calling, to find purpose and calling. In Genesis 21, the story continues to where it says, now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. And Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. You see, I see in this moment, she was laughing again, but with a changed heart, with a renewed heart, with a grateful heart. And now as she laughed, it wasn't a laugh that she was trying to conceal at the edge of a tent. It wasn't a laugh that she was trying to hide about. She said, I hope others can laugh with me, meaning I hope I can share my delight with other people. I hope I can share my story with other people and share God's story of him moving in my life. She received laughter from God, but it became because her heart was softened and she found this renewed sense of purpose on her life and her calling to be the mother of many nations. And all throughout scripture, we can read moments where people deny God or they doubt God, but then we see God's beautiful response to people, his gracious response. You see, when Sarah laughed, she was rebuked, sure. Being rebuked can actually be a form of God's kindness to bring us back into line, right? And even though she was rebuked, the calling on her life wasn't revoked. Think about Peter. 
Peter was one of Jesus's close boys, one of his disciples. And leading up to the moment of his death, Peter denied even knowing Jesus three times. And then after Jesus is resurrected into new life and he meets with Peter on the beach, what does he do? He actually questions Peter three times, one for each of the times that Peter denied him. And in this moment, he's saying, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And so Jesus says, feed my sheep. He does it a second time. He does it a third time. And it says at this point, by the third time that Jesus is asked, it says Peter is hurt because what he's feeling rebuked. But in this moment, Jesus is taking a moment to actually remind him of the promises on his life, the purpose on his life, the calling on his life. He's having a moment with Peter to check his heart and to let him know, hey, the calling on your life has not been revoked, but in this moment, I need to rebuke you. Peter, do you love me? Right? He's asking him, do you love me? So that Peter can confess his faith to find that purpose and calling again, was what, which wasn't just a fish, which he was out on the boat doing moments before. It was actually to fish for people. God might be rebuking you today, but let that rebuke be a form of God's kindness to remind you that there is purpose and calling on your life, just like there was for Sarah, just like there was for Peter. So to all the Sarahs in the room today, yes, you did. Yes, you did. Allow your heart to get to a nasty place. But here's the good news. Yes, he did save. Yes, he is in the business of heart transformation, which means he can renew you and he can give you a moment to check your heart right now today. He could take a distrusting heart and fill it with delight. He could take a jaded heart and fill it with joy. He could take a distant heart and then draw it near to him once again so that you can be reminded of all the beautiful plans he has for you. But it starts with you confessing. It starts with you being humble before God and looking at the condition of your own heart to say, man, I've just been spectating at the edge of the tent. See, there's some of us today that actually need to pray a bold prayer where you need to go before God and say, sorry, God, I have been acting like Sarah. Sorry, God, I've been putting distance between myself and you, between myself and the church, between myself and other people. And all of a sudden I've become a jaded person back here who's creating this own narrative in my head about God and about church. And maybe I've allowed those comments in my head to be comments to other people. And I've had these side comments of laughter or these side comments that are showing the condition of my heart is not pure. The condition of my heart is not good. I'm sorry, Sarah. Could you, I mean, God, Sarah, I am sorry. But could you remind me of the promises on my life and could you renew my heart to be the heart of Abraham? The heart that is filled with joy and expectation and faith. Some of us need to be honest and check our hearts today. And this could be the moment where God pours joy into you in abundance to where others can laugh with you at the goodness of God in your life. Amen? Well, I'm gonna pray for us. There's two people I want to pray for. First, for all of the Sarahs in the room. And then secondly, for anybody that doesn't know Jesus. But if you could just close your eyes, bow your heads out of respect for the people around you. If you know that this message is speaking to you, if the Holy Spirit is nudging you and saying, hey, check your heart. Could you just be open before God right now? And by that, I mean, you could lift your hands if you want to. You're not required to. You could just have your palms open on your lap to show that your body posture is open to receive God's correction and his love and his kindness. But if you know that you've been acting like Sarah, pray these words in your heart. Dear God, I'm sorry that I allowed my heart to get to this place where I let bitterness or anger or hurt or guilt or doubt or unbelief 
be the main thing that was controlling my relationship with you or my relationship with people. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've put distance between myself and you when I should be sitting in your presence. I'm sorry that I was just baking the bread for you but doing it with a heart that wasn't actually for you. God, would you renew my heart today? Would you remind me of the purpose and the calling you have on my life? I receive your correction, God. And I ask you once again, would you be my Lord? Would you bring me back into line with your purpose, with your vision for my life, with your plans? Would you bring me back into line with you with joy that overflows? God, would you fill me with the laughter of delight, the laughter of Abraham? Fill me with the faith of Abraham, God. And I just ask for that in your almighty name.